And what we just have to call Thomas Trant's erotica. Thomas Trant's erotica. Course. Thomas Trant's erotica. Expected goals. Thomas Trant's erotica. Dog model. Thomas Grant's erotica. Repression. Thomas Grant's erotica. PDO. Thomas Grant's erotica. Oh boy. Hot and bothered in here. I just said to Jamie Dodd, that was my PDO, by the way. Yeah, and then you said, pretty hot, right? And I. <laughs> I declined to respond. I was like, I'm just going to start the show and leave that one hanging there. Like, I don't need a lift home today. I've got a doctor's appointment that I have to go to. I'll just get an Uber. (laughs) Jamie slowly sliding his chair away from the middle of the table. Pretty pretty hot, huh, Jamie? I guess. Sure. Whatever you say, pal. What do you think of that one, big guy? Don't don't call me big guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, welcome back to Halford and Bruff, your Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd filling in for Halford. This hour of Halford and Bruff is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit Campbell-Pound.com today. Also by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are coming to you live from... The Kintech Studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Still a chance to get your What We Learn submissions in a pair of tickets to the Canucks and the Penguins on Tuesday. Up for grabs for the best What We Learned. So hit us up, hashtag WWL, what you learned in the last 24 hours of sports. We'll announce the winner at 8.30. But right give us now, some good ones, too. They all suck so far. Yeah, all right, there you go. You heard it from dog. Everyone who's texted Come in. Come on, step up your game, people. So far. So still a wide-open field. Uh, every chance to win and claim those tickets. Right now, though, we go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline, where we are joined... Uh, he covers the Canucks for The Athletic. Also, my co-host on Canucks Talk, he is Thomas Drance. Drance, what's up, buddy? <laughs> Gentlemen, how are you? Uh, we're all right. Bruff is kind of coming on to me, <laughs> bragging about his sexy voice <laughs> a little bit. But other than that, uh, we're doing just great. We're getting along real well. We're getting along love real that well, guys. Drancer. Too well. Um, what's the big thing that you're watching for tonight as the Canucks take on the Kraken in Seattle? I just think it's going to be a fun game. Like, I think it's going to be a game with two teams that feel like this is a desperation spot for them, like a spot where they absolutely need two points. And, you know, at this time of year, like, that that just gets me excited. Like, I think there's going to be a little extra heat tonight. And that, to me, always, you know, before I go to morning skate, before I do one of these hits, like, that gives me some energy. Like, that, uh, I'm just excited to watch – uh like, I, I still am pretty high on the Kraken. I think they're a really good defensive team. Um, they don't quite have the same punch that they had last year, obviously, in, in terms of their offense, but they've played really good hockey the last couple months. Um, they're also in sort of a fight for their lives here. Like, they need to get hot down the stretch. The Canucks have lost three in a row. We haven't seen them in that spot all year. Uh, it's just a good, like this to me, you know, I don't want to call it like a big game, but... It, it's one that I think is going to have a, a little bit of extra intensity, and that to me is just exciting. Like it's it's one to pay attention to. 
Hey, Drancer, uh, you know the Canucks schedule probably better than ours. Do you think they'll practice tomorrow before the Bruins game? Hmm. You know, it, I mean, it's such a short trip home, mm-hmm. right? I mean, players can players will be in bed by midnight. So I would I would expect they would. That said, you know, I think this is eight games in thirteen days. Something like that. Like it's, you know, they had the back-to-back, the 10th and the 11th in Washington and Detroit. Um, They had a back-to-back the next week, Minnesota, Colorado. Uh, They've had a lot of games between, you know, every every second night other than that. And that's included like a lot of cross-continental travel. So, you know, I I do think to some extent, um, given how condensed the schedule is, I think it's a tough one for, for talking. I'd imagine it is, right? Just given that, you know, the team hasn't been at its best. Like, it's played 500 hockey since the All-Star break. Um, I think you can understand why, right? <laughs> given how many games there have sure, been. yeah. And so, you know, that said, we know what Talkit thinks of this team, which is that they play it at their best when they're practicing. Yeah, you know where I'm going. Like, I normally don't care if the Canucks practice. Like, no, no me they, they practice today. Oh, good for them. That's that's what teams should do every once in a while. But you know, yeah. especially if you're going to make any changes to the power play, sometimes you like to do those on the ice as opposed to just going through video and and, and making those changes. Like, would you expect to see any structural changes to a power play before a practice? Yeah, I, I look, the, I think the first unit, with the exception of uh, Elias Lindholm, I mean, they've played thousands of minutes together, five on four, right? So, I, I, you know, if you give them a morning skate and a, and a pre-scouting meeting, I think you have a fair bit of faith that they can adjust, right? That they can be effective nonetheless. Um, you know, I, I think if they do practice tomorrow, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do, what you'll see is them not take morning skate on the Saturday, right? So it's, it's going to kind of be like one of those steel hits the ice once between games sort of approaches. That would be my expectation. Um, you know, is, is reps the problem with the power play? Like the power plays struggles of late have been really pronounced, right? Because it's not just that they've only scored three goals in, in nine games since returning, uh, from All-Star, it's that they've allowed three a against, right? Like, they're net zero over these nine games, and that's and that's hurt them, right? I mean, this is a team that, since they've come back, their five-on-five game's been really good. They've outscored opponents by six. Um, the efficient finishing that has characterized this team's season still exists five-on-five, but does not exist anymore five-on-four, right? The, the power play itself, like, all the underlying numbers there all the, the the underlying profile of the power play in terms of the rate at which it's generating shot attempts and shots goal um and scoring chances all of that's like very consistent now versus what it was prior to the all-star break it's just that the goals have dried up like the the shooting percentage has gone from 19 percent for pp1 prior to the all-star break to about six percent um there there's sort of more going on under the hood, right? With Miller in the bumper, he's taking the bulk of shots. The team's really struggling to get shots from their perimeter guys. So Hughes, Besser, Pedersen through um, over the last nine games. I, I don't know if that's noise. I don't know if that's a result of 
some like more of those shots not being set up by Miller. Yeah, I think, I think given it, that he's not a in a facilitating spot, but I, I mean, there's a real chance that what we're seeing is like a short term percentage, like shooting percentage hell moment for this team, and and that it's not really anything of long term concern. And yet I watch it play, and I'm just like, man, it looks so much more dynamic when Miller has the puck more. So you know, can practice sort that out? Like, is practice what they need to sort out their special team struggles? Because that's what's kind of been holding them back of late. Um, you know, that that those are the sorts of decisions that I think get really difficult for a head coach, for, for, for a head coach like Tockett, especially given what he prioritizes and what he thinks about this team and what he thinks they need at this time of year. Don't you think Miller has the best passing vision on the power play? I, I think Miller has the best passing vision on the power play of just about everyone in the league with the possible exceptions of McDavid Kucherov. And if you want to make the argument for Miko Rantanen, I I, I won't argue with you too much, but I'd probably put him, you know, third on that Mount Rushmore. I mean, I don't think it's the best on the team. I think it's one of the best in the league. One of the best I've ever seen. Like, Mm -hmm. I think he's a savant. I think he's a, a genius, an orchestrator when it comes to the power play. And, you know, that said, like, there's ways to facilitate from the bumper. It's just that usually the bumper is a weapon. The guy in the middle, like, it's almost mislabeled, right? Uh, that's something that um, I remember Adam Oates told me, right, was that, you know, wh- why do you call it the bumper guy? I don't call it the bumper guy. And, of course, Oates popularized the one three one. And I was like, well, what do you call it? And he was like, well, I think they should be called the cheese because they're a weapon, right? Like, the guy in the middle is, is a primary weapon. And that's how Miller's operated there since they've moved him there. I mean, he was taking 11 shots an hour from that, you know, flank spot uh, on his downhill side. That number spiked to 26 over the last nine games. He's doing, he's doing the right stuff. Like, that's, that's what you want from a guy in the middle. I, I, you know, yeah, uh, the way that he operates on his downhill side is, is brilliant. But I, I sort of think that, from Tockett's perspective, my guess in terms of why they've gone to this alignment is that they want to force more movement, right? If Miller's going to naturally gravitate behind the net, out to the side, does that force his teammates to move a little more? Uh, maybe a little bit more like they were playing in those first two months of the year when this power play was, you know, a, a nuke for this team, like a, mm-hmm. a true atom bomb. Um, you know, I, I, like, I, I don't really know that answer. Uh, so it, it's sort of hard for me to criticize. I, I guess overall, though, what I'd say is as bad as yeah. the results have been, the underlying form's still there. I, I still believe that like this team can be effective with Besser, Pedersen, and Hughes up high five on four. Like I don't, I, I think as good as Miller is in terms of making plays on 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 that downhill side. Like I think he can be effective down lower in the bumper too. And I think this team can be effective with that alignment. So, you know, I, I get it. I've, I've, I mean, Jamie will tell you, like put the puck in Miller's hands has been like a long-term take of mine. This isn't a new thing for me, mm-hmm. but I also sort of look at this and think this should still work, whether or not it's exactly the way we draw it up or not. Um, can you tell us, how much the Canucks have made progress at five on five this season compared to the first, I don't know, 20 games that they played um, compared to this point right now, how they're playing at five on five. 
So since about mid-January, their five-on-five game's been exceptional. Like, really, really good. Um, Now, it hasn't been as good for the last two weeks as it was for the that sort of stretch uh, in the last two weeks of January. Like there was this moment in, in late January where the club was pretty regularly like demolishing opponents, like playing like at an elite clip five on five. That road trip and back East had, there the was some dominant games. Where just, yeah. yeah. Where it was just like a, you know um, what the NBA wishes the all-star slam dunk competition still was. That's what the Canucks were doing on, on that Eastern <laughs> Conference road trip. And then, and then since then, it's kind of faded a bit, right? And, you know, not that it hasn't been good, but it's been like top 10, right? Which is a, a dramatic improvement over where, where this team's been for like much of the last five years, mm-hmm. but isn't the, you know... Uh, elite elite performance that we saw from this team for eh, two weeks stretch in mid January. Uh, and prior to that, right? Like there were, there were points in the season in, in October and November and, you know, granted this team was leading by so much that it slants the, the data a little bit. Like this team had so frequently put their opponents like, you know, sweetly to bed Yeah. <laughs> by the middle, middle point of the second period that, uh, obviously, they were going to get outshot a little bit, but there, I mean, there, there were points in the season where their five-on-five profile was actually pretty soft, where they were getting carried a little bit by goaltending and, and power play excellence. Um, we sort of saw this team um, find a, a pretty solid level five-on-five, like almost in late November when they were not playing that well in terms of the results, like when they had an extended 500 stretch, not not dissimilar from what we're seeing now. Um, but their defensive game was at such a high level that it kind of like buttressed that, like it allowed them to overcome it. Um, you know, then they kind of went up a level. And so, yeah, we've seen this team, I think, get more comfortable, uh, get better at playing Rick talk at hockey. I-, I think one thing this team's done well all season is that they play like a, a thoughtful game, right. Uh, in terms of the way that, you know, Hughes has been, like self-matched to JT Miller and, and that's kind of helped Miller handle toughs, right? Then Pedersen plays more with the other defenders. So you've got your best two-way driving forward playing more minutes with, you know, your, your Tyler Myers class defenseman helping them control play. I mean, there, there's been a really thoughtful approach to everything from matchups, uh, tactics, on and on. And then additionally, like I do think this team's a pretty – aggressive group right the the, tactically this team is super aggressive um it's not unheard of although we don't see it every night for this team to be in like a a 2-1-2 four check like with with both uh with the tip of the spear going pretty deep uh into into the opponent's zone Mm -hmm. um so i think what you see sometimes is this team controls play especially if you can't break out cleanly uh, against them. And and that's almost something that we've seen the Canucks be on the other end of a fair bit. Um, but now, you know, they're, they're pretty capable of doing that. And I think that was sort of one thing that was interesting uh, about like this, this last run of games, right? So the Jets, I think won that game on Saturday because they were pretty consistently able to break the Canucks four check, right? It was like, um, like a quarterback finding the answer on a zero blitz, right? Like the, the Canucks were, the Jets were able to connect that five or six tough passes and basically pass the puck into the Canucks net on two consecutive shifts. And that was the game. 
uh, Colorado, I was sort of curious to watch it because Colorado is like the best at that in the league. And the Canucks did a great job taking away space. Like their neutral zone wedge worked. Their, their four check worked. Um, but, you know, that's to me the part of their five on five game that's most interesting now is I think teams are, are a little bit more. They're, 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 they know what to expect a little bit more. And sometimes they handle the pressure a little bit better. And when they do, there are going to be chances. But, man, it, it's really tough to unlock this team. Five on five. The defensive side of it is there. And then the Hughes-Heronic side of it, which is when Hughes and Heronic get on the ice, you can literally just see the game bend in the Canucks w- to the Canucks' will. They start to generate just zone time that leaves opponents hanging on by their fingernails. And those are sort of the two key drivers here of this team's five on five improvement. This top pair totally changes the environment every time they're on the ice. Even if, you know, I'd still like to see the Canucks generate a few more scoring chances if they were going to be like at even strength, if they were going to be a real elite five on five team. And then their defensive game is just so good built off the back of that aggression. Uh, It takes a lot. Like it takes a really special team level game and team level move uh, to generate the sorts of chances where you're like, wow, that's a really good scoring chance. Mm Um, usually it comes off the rush and man, if, if your weak spot as a team five on five is like, well, if you make six consecutive plays under pressure, we're going to be vulnerable. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good, that's a good place to be vulnerable. Right. Cause it's hard to do. Sorry. Just adding, uh, driving the tip of the spear deep into the Thomas Giants erotica list. Uh, Drancer, <laughs> uh, um, what have you thought of Elias Lindholm uh, so, so far? Weird. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, Elias Lindholm. Um <laughs> I think we've got the floor per- stuff from Elias Lindholm. You know, like I think you've seen the fit stuff well in-, in terms of, you know, like it's hard to talk about in some ways because the PK hasn't been good on the whole, but it kind of has aside from one absolute meltdown in Minnesota, right? Like, I think he's been useful on the PK. Um, Now, the PK is sputtered of late. I I think they missed Dakota Joshua a fair bit. But could you imagine how much more they'd miss Dakota Joshua if they didn't have Elias Lindholm? You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where, yeah, you lose Lindholm, or sorry, you lose Joshua and you have to press other guys into more duty shorthanded Miller in particular. And yet the amount you'd have to rely on, on some of the guys you would rather marginalize four on five, um, you know, is, is like less because they have Lindholm, the power play, you know, at the end of the day, like he scored there, he's been dangerous there and his shot rate is higher at the net front than Andre Kuzmenko's was like he, he plays a more straightforward game. I'm sure the team's happy with that ad, even if the power plays not on fire, right? Like even if he's still integrating into that unit and then five on five, I, I mean, I don't know. I, it doesn't feel like they've found a fit from there, right? Like they haven't found that lightning in the bottle fit for Lindholm at five on five, where it just kind of clicks where he's like elevating a line mate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's, he's played, in a variety of different alignments here, he's played center while Miller's played wing. He's played wing uh, with Pedersen. He's played center with Pedersen. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that we've seen any of those. We, we haven't seen lightning strike any of those combinations of five on five. And, 
you know, he's been like he he's been good. I, I think he's been good. I think he's been solid. I don't think he's elevated this team's five on five game at any point yet. But it's only nine games. You know, I, I think you go through this adjustment period and then part of the logic of acquiring a guy early is, you know, you hope that he's fully settled uh, 20 games from now, um, at which point the games, you know, are about to start to matter. And and that's kind of where the Canucks are at, right? Like you'd rather be dealing with this now than dealing with this with five games to go before the playoffs start. And, and so um, I think, I think, you know, jury's out. Fundamentally, jury's out. We need to see more. He needs more time, in fairness. And uh, I think we'll know in 20 games. It certainly hasn't been, you know, like uh, the the lightning hits and it, it all is, like, clear and perfect. Uh, it certainly hasn't been that type of first 10 games for him in a Canucks jersey. But I think there's been a lot to like. And I think you've at least seen the fit side of it, even if, you know, he, he's not like a, a top of the lineup driver um, in the way that you maybe hoped he could be um, through his first sort of small sample here. Transer, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, hopefully it's a good one tonight and uh, we'll catch up on Monday. Cheers, gentlemen. Bye. Hi, that is Thomas Drantz uh, from The Athletic. And of course, Canucks talk as well here. Do you miss sports them? Miss them? So I will say this: I people like it's fun to to rip on Drads. I obviously I like doing the show. I like mm-hmm. working with Drads. I I am a big um, a change is as good as a rest guy. So I like the variety. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it not because I'm like oh finally I get away from Drads, but I just like switching things up and doing a different. You can get show. down to some lowbrow humor on yeah, exactly. the Halford and Ruff show. Talk, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of lowbrow. We're going to do what we learned. I have a what we learned that I really want to get in. Okay. So I know we're running late here, but this one's just so important and a little lowbrow. My what we learned is that Major League Baseball has a major pants problem on its hands. We got a pants problem. Specifically that the pants are not doing what I would argue is one of the primary jobs of pants, which is preventing people from seeing what's underneath the pants. So it's spring training now. You know, mm. all, all the teams are releasing uh, publicity photos. Major League Baseball, I guess, Fanatics has designed their uniforms now this year. So it started off with the jerseys. There was a lot of complaints. These look <laughs> cheap. These look like jerseys. Brett, now we're are seeing you saying that there's a party in your pants and that I'm invited. Now we're seeing pictures of players in the full getup with the pants with their jerseys tucked in, and the pants are see through. You can see the shirt tails of the jersey oh. tucked in. Through the pants. They're going to have to bring pants. in the Lululemon PR person. <laughs> Apparently, because this is like bl- absolutely blatant how cheap and transparent the material is. Don't you hate pants? <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that was it's coming. Fanatics before the it. season. Guys, do we really need pants? We have like eight pants drops. I got to use them all here. Okay? <laughs> we have a surprising <laughs> amount of options. Why do we when have so many pants, pants drops? Yeah. But anyways, it looks like a disaster, and I'm not up like there are a lot of people with much more uh, information and passion about the fanatics thing than me. I just know that people hate them mm. generally, and this is yet another example of them doing shoddy work. Is it just that a lot of people have had issues with their customer service, or is it the quality of I the think product? It's quality. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like, well, and even just getting jerseys to people they struggle with with the stadium series. Anyone who ordered a Jack Hughes jersey. Had it canceled all of a sudden. They actually got the email at the game, some of the people. And the rumor was that they printed all of the Jack Hughes jerseys 
with his full name on the back. It said <laughs> Jack Hughes. So they all had to be returned. No one got anyone that ordered a Jack Hughes Stadium Series jersey did not receive it because of that. Because they wrote Jack Hughes on the back. Correct. Oh, oh my, my goodness. So okay. yeah, Fanatics not a great company, and now they've made see-through pants for all of Major League Baseball. All right, give us some mukal on that. Still time to get your what we learns in, um, and there's a pair of tickets to Tuesday's Canucks Penguins game on the line. We had so many quality what we learns when it was Bruins and Canucks tickets. That's true. Penguins not I, quite a draw. I, I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, it's just some days that the listeners don't have their A game. Some you you know you can't expect it. Like we're first in the league when it comes to listeners, but that doesn't mean we're going to go eighty two and zero. Doesn't mean they bring it every night. Yeah. So there's still some time. In these next few minutes to send in a quality what we learn with a ticket emoji uh, and grab a pair of tickets to go see Sidney Crosby and the Vancouver Canucks play on Tuesday night at Rogers Arena. You're listening to the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. Welcome back to Halford and Bruff, your Sportsnet 650 final segment of the day here. I'm Jamie Dodd filling in for Halford. This hour of Halford and Bruff brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit Campbell-Pound.com today. Also by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. JanPro, the leaders in commercial cleaning and janitorial. If your workplace demands a clean environment, contact JanPro for a free, no obligation quote. Visit JanPro.ca. We'll go to the listeners soon, momentarily here, uh, but we do have some of our what we learns to get through as well. Bruff, I know you have you have a question about some modern slang that yes, you want to talk through with but us. But it also is sports related, and I teased this what we learned earlier when we were talking about Elias Pettersson and the impact of social media on players. And we all know, well, NFL fans know that the Chicago Bears have a big decision to make. Do they keep Justin Fields as their quarterback and maybe trade the first Mm -hmm. overall pick? Or do they trade Justin Fields and draft Caleb Williams, first of all, first overall? Well, the 24-year-old quarterback for the Bears currently uh, was on – uh, a podcast called the St. Brown Brothers Podcast. And he was asked about his decision to unfollow the Chicago Bears on Instagram. <gasps> oh, my God. And here is Justin Fields in a rather lighthearted way talking about that decision. Since Wait, since we're here, hold on. But, I mean, what's we're not the, comparing. What's, no, 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 no. Since though, we're here. All right, come on. What's with the unfollow with the Bears? What's, what's up with that? Man, bro, I'm glad we're talking about it because people, why do people take social media so serious? Like, 
But like, why you, why are you unfollowing the Bears? Like, I still mess with the Bears. It's not, I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Like, mm. I know y'all mess with a girl, EQ, especially you. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG don't mean you're not messing with that's her. That's true. You that's know? true. That's facts. That's facts. Oh, so you're saying you mess with the Bears more now that you don't follow them? Man, it's not even like that. Ah, okay, it's, okay. it's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no mm. football. And guess just, what? Just get away. Get a little away for a little bit. It's either keep Fields. We want Fields to the draft Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired of hearing the talk. I just wanted to be over. So I got the part about him being tired about the talk. Mm-hmm. And wanting a vacation from the talk, that must be exhausting. And, you know, sometimes I will change my social media so I don't get certain feeds of things that I'm tired of seeing on social media. Um, what's going on with the mess with? So I feel like there were context clues there, though, for you to pick up on. Because they give the analogy of just because you don't follow a girl on Instagram doesn't mean you don't mess with her. Right. It's it's uh, first of all, it's a PG version of a more common expression, but it's basically Uh saying that not he's saying just because I don't follow them anymore doesn't mean I'm not interested in them, that I don't like them. It's basically saying if you mess with someone, you're down with them. Okay, like but seriously, but how is is that a is messing with someone? Is that uh, it's a good thing. It means you have positive feelings towards them. Like at, at your wedding, would you be like, "I want to mess with you forever"? Like, like we know, a dog he messes with Arby's. I know that. that I would like to mess with you forever, forever. <laughs> right? Like, is that something you would say, or is it more like, "I've got many girls that I mess." I with. I think it would be more. I often think it's. I more always of thought like messing a, was a bad thing. Well, yeah, in in, in, in classic be. tech, yeah, uh, but. I think it's all you often use it more, not even necessarily a romantic context, though, right? Like, you'd be like, oh, yeah, like I mess with that player. Well, it's less really for good. people, more for things, I thought. It was like, mm. a, like a good food that you okay. like. You know, I mess I'm, with I'm off, oh, yeah. I'm off my. Uh... No cap, you're not mid. I hope to mess with you forever. <laughs> I was so beautiful. The world has passed me by, and that's probably a good thing. <laughs> that's Just fine. embrace it. It, Just it does embrace happen. It. Um, at any rate. Uh, Justin Fields is tired of all the talk. Well, the draft isn't until April, so I don't know if he's going to get that break. Um, and I don't know where he's going to end up. I don't even know if he's that – like I still – I'm still not sure if he's that good, right? Yeah. And, but there is, uh, there is quite a debate in Chicago to be had about Justin Fields and what they're going to end up doing. I think they're probably going to end up drafting Caleb Williams. I think it'll be tough to not do that. Mm-hmm. The regret factor on that could be off the charts. Yes. Right? So I think that's probably where it goes. I think it's probably where it goes. The question maybe is where Justin Fields ends up going. We had a conversation about uh, the Seahawks and whether or not Geno Smith will be their quarterback this year. I don't know. There's a few Seahawks fans that you know have been like, mm, Justin Fields is available. Maybe. At any rate, Moo Cow, all that messing. Are we gonna let? Should we let Laddie do his now, or, or are we gonna make it two days? In let a row me do it. Him? <laughs> no, sure, go, Laddie. Go ahead. It's a, it's a quick Laddie, audio clip. You know how I love Austin Matthews, right? He's of course, a big big time star out here in Vancouver. But uh, the game in Arizona had a bit of a sentimental feel to it. His family was there, and Matthew Knees, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, he is also from Arizona, and he grew up watching Austin Matthews, and he had a quote with it before the game when they were asking him about the impact that Austin Matthews had. Just Matthew Nyes? 
Matthew Nyes. Yeah. Yes. This is his talking about impact of Austin Matthews. He means everything. You know, when I was growing up, he was um, someone to look, look look forward to, and um, he was just a he was a big inspiration for a lot of kids growing up, and uh, I'm sure he was, a, he was a big reason as to why a lot of kids picked up a hockey stick. And um, so yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's detrimental to, to Arizona hockey, and, and he means the he means a lot to this this uh, this community. Wait a minute. <laughs> Did he say he's detrimental? Did, did you catch is that? Is that slang too now? Does that yeah, mean the yeah. opposite? You know the, what that word means? On or... <laughs> One more time. <laughs> he's, he's detrimental to, to Arizona hockey. Wow. <laughs> detrimental. Okay, guess, the, guess the word he was trying to come up with. He's instrumental. Instrumental. Yeah. Right? Had to be. That's a slip up. You know, It's not something that he probably... Does this does often. just remind me that's not quite as much of a slip up as the uh, Jonathan Bernier Nelson Mandela no. <laughs> incident, which oh my God, that was still incredible. never fails. That was like the Halford, laughing. like Halford esque powering through it. That's what Bernier did there. He he was wrong, but he just kept being wrong. Mm. That whole answer. But fish, that, yeah. fish dancer texts in. Mess with is twenty years old. Come on, Jason. Really? Yeah, I don't know about twenty years old. I like Waddy and Cloverdale. He's down with OPP, bruv. I get that. I get that. All right, give us a moo cow. Uh, hey, yeah, you know me. Do you have anything? No. All right, I great. Got, I got nothing. <laughs> we'll go into the inbox. Uh, uh, I'm going to read the winner of the tickets. All right. We have a, sorry, we got a sponsor sorry. here. Sorry, Administrative sorry. nonsense, yeah. bro. Yeah, what yeah, we yeah, learned yeah. is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most at GetFirePlan.com. Comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation. Get $200 off today. Oh, my God. I'm getting a lot of texts about messing with, and like, bruv, how old are you? I'm like, too old. Uh, Carl from Delta, what we learned, uh, now I understand this one. When my wife and I got married, and this is the winner of the tickets, by the way. When my wife and I got married, it was understood that she's Sidney Crosby's number one fan, and I'll always be the second man in her life. I'd love to take her on Tuesday to make up for Valentine's Day as I'm still in hot water for thinking that grocery stu- store sushi dinner night was a good idea for Valentine's, for Valentine's Day? Day. Well, look. That could- is reminiscent of the hit I heard with you, Drance, yep. Dolly, and Donnie talking about gas station flowers. And Donnie just confidently, what are you going to do for Valentine's I'll stop at a gas station on the way home. Yeah. Legendary stuff from Don Taylor. Mm-hmm. Nothing like those gas station flowers. Yeah. Just tell the woman in your life what she means to you. Do you think he tells her too? Like, oh, I picked up the money. I mean, the, he's not I keeping up at the gas station. Yeah. And and the, the even better part would be like, they're a great deal. <laughs> you know, like, just, I, got it, I got it for free you know, with a pack like, of donuts. You wouldn't believe it. There's so much cheaper than at a florist at the gas station, honey. I'm saving so much money here. Yeah. Carl from Delta. Man, like, Feel free to to take your wife out for dinner before that game um, and just show her a good night. The tickets are on us, but maybe go a little bit further. Costco hot dog. Costco hot dog. <laughs> That's honestly better and kind of more romantic than grocery store sushi. Yes. Which is like, so. what? No. No, there is. There's something about it. You know, like, we'll have a hot dog and we'll 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 we'll. we'll We'll sit and share a coke together or something like it's it's it's, not, it's like, like what do you maybe, get? Maybe, maybe what we'll, do you get? What do you get? Like a maybe California I'll steal, roll yeah. from Safeway? Maybe I'll steal a kiss by the Costco hot dog guy. 
<laughs> There's nothing. I've, I'm down there all the time ahead of Canucks games. There's nothing romantic about the Costco hot no, dog No, that particular scene. area, maybe not. Yeah. It always cracks me up when there are people doing like their massive Costco shops like half an hour right before, before the Canucks game. game starts. Yeah. <laughs> where there's maximum traffic. Why are there so many people here? <laughs> and it's like, real. Like, why is this the time where you're bringing like pallet after pallet of groceries out of Costco? But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm disputing the romantic aspect of the Costco hot dogs on that one. Okay. Fine. Anyways, congratulations to Carl. Good job. Uh, what we learn unsigned, we don't want the President's Trophy anyway. Would you want the Canucks to win the President's Trophy? I don't oh, God, care. No. I don't care about it at all. I think this idea that it's a curse is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they don't win that often. Yeah, because only one. Like, it's really hard. But at to the win same the time, Cup. Jamie, do you really want to tempt fate? Tempt fate? How? With I what? I don't really want With another the previous two times they non Stanley Cup banner hanging at Rogers Arena. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And I, I don't guess- want like. Do you remember? Uh, this was short lived, but <laughs> we were. We were trying to do what the kids call coping. You know, have you heard that? Yes. And like, there were some serious think pieces put out, and I guess they were looking at the premiership model, yeah. and they were like- It's were actually like, more impressive. It's actually more yeah. impressive to yeah. win the president's trophy than it is to win the Stanley Cup because there is some randomness in the Stanley Cup final and, you know, in a, in a seven-game series, you know, like you're going to get- Who was putting you know, out those articles? I remember reading a few, oh and I'm God. like, guys, this is awful. Move to stop, England if you want. Stop trying that. to make the president's trophy a thing. The president's yeah, trophy yeah, is like, a bit of a curse, though. Like, it's, it's, they haven't even got out of the second round of president's trophy winners. The since only 14, reason 15. I don't, why well, I would be happy if they didn't win, is so that I don't have to hear that as the excuse for them eventually losing in the playoffs if they do. Right? Because the it has ratio's not to do with anything. Though. Who cares? It's just, it's just stupid, stupid superstition. If they win the president's trophy, it has no impact, zero, mm-hmm. on them being able to go on a deep playoff run. So I don't care. I'm not going to like celebrate it but i'm not going to look at it as a bad thing uh duncan the chef what we learned it took me until wednesday to realize jamie dodd was not halford well done dodd did that, you dumb it down a little bit for a backhanded compliment yeah <laughs> it's like don't worry Jansen. i just got to do the morning show like the toughest thing is waking up and then just like listening to these guys spout their nonsense for yeah. three hours three hours of administrative nonsense administrative and, nonsense yeah and that's what it's all about grinding old axes about roberto luongo for some reason uh un- another unsigned what we learned the oilers will be the same old oilers not playoff built until they shore up the back end so many leaks in the d okay uh what was that yeah well we're on one today so 6-5 overtime loss for the Oilers yesterday. Uh, I mean, the Canucks lost 10-7 to the other day, and they looked a little leaky on the D. Um, in the D? Yeah, whatever. Um, you know, that happens to teams once in a while, but I think the Oilers just have this reputation as this, and, and, and rightly earned reputation, that when it comes down to it in the playoffs, like they lose their details mm. for a little bit. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of rumors about whether or not it's going to be the Oilers that end up with a player like Chris, Chris Tanev. Tanev for sure. Well, I know uh, yeah, Elliot Friedman in his 32 thoughts listed, you know, said Dallas really, really keen on Chris Tanev, but also the Canucks, Edmonton involved as well. So a lot of teams in the Western Conference that the Canucks could be playoff opponents for the Canucks interested in Chris Tanev. And I think I want to say it was Rick Dollywall who was saying, 
maybe that motivates the Canucks to go out and do a deal for Chris Tanev because not only are you getting the player, but you're preventing an Edmonton or a Dallas from adding him to your lineup because I think that would be a massive add for mm-hmm. the Edmonton Oilers to bring in a defensively solid player like Chris Tanev. And I, I get that. Hey, hey, we need him, but also we really want to keep him away from a potential playoff opponent uh, in the Edmonton Oilers as well. So we'll see if that factors into it for uh, for the Canucks eventually with Chris Tanev here. Do you guys subscribe to the curse theory of uh, fan music videos of of your team? I first of all, no, and second of all, what the hell are you talking? Remember about? Remember the when the Flames did one, and then they just like just got destroyed right after that, and they went on this awful. There was yeah. a fan video. Yeah, like the like Flames they make, put they out make a, songs. You know, like oh, like Canucks okay. had Burry Burry, and you know the fan songs. They make yeah, yeah. videos about a successful team. I never knew. They and were then right cursed. after the video releases, the team does awful for some reason. Oh, this has been like a long-standing tradition of of fan videos. I don't think it's a curse. I think they're often pretty annoying. <laughs> I don't think it's a curse. Like you deserved it. It's that cringy, folks. It's <laughs> that cringy. And I guess this wasn't a song, but remember the Padres dudes? <laughs> they were also really, oh, that really was cringy. Amazing. I just that, feel like you're tempting amazing. fate by producing yeah. songs like that. Uh, what we learned on sign the Canucks five on five play is better than their power play currently. This should bode well for playoff success. I think that's some context that should be taken into all this, that the Canucks have actually, um, even though maybe they've dipped a little bit, schedule-related, injury-related, possibly, um, their five-on-five play, five play has mm-hmm. improved as the, as the season has gone on. Whereas earlier in the season, if you looked at some of their underlying numbers, and granted, I think some of those were so highly impacted by like one game in Edmonton in the yep. second game of the season. So that's why... We don't often look at those numbers early in the season or after five, ten games and take them too seriously. But five on five, the Canucks have been one of the better teams in the NHL this season. Some of it's shooting percentage, for sure. But a lot of it's not. When we talk about that third line and how much they control play at five on five, that's a big deal for a line that plays how much of a game at five on five, 13, 14 minutes a night or yep. something along those lines. Like that is a big deal to have a line out there that does that. And uh, a few people have texted in texts, whether they're what we learns or just random texts about Dakota Joshua and his bargaining power getting even stronger during the last three games that he's been out. And the fact that he's out and the Canucks have had their first three game losing streak of the season. I think, I mean, I'm not going to tie a direct line to that, but, but I'm willing to throw a line to the, the boat the, on that one. The penalty kill, specifically, yeah. with Dakota and missing Dakota Joshua's yep. presence is a big deal. But look, I think it's totally fair to look at these this this dreaded three-game losing streak that the Canucks are on. If you just look at the five-on-five portion of it, they've been really good. Mm-hmm. And I think the texter's right. Like Five-on-five becomes that much more important in the playoffs. Look, you still need a functional power play. That can absolutely kill you. So you can't just write it off completely. But if you're judging what's going to have a bigger impact on the Canucks season once the playoffs roll around, it's the five-on-five play, which, again, has been very good over yeah. these last three games, even as they've lost all three of them. Uh, Jason and Burnaby, uh, is Carson Soucy the secret low-key driver for the Canucks elite play? Both, Honestly? Both this and November's spates of 500 play 
came with him out of the lineup. What do his numbers look like? I'm going to put you on the spot here, but maybe you picked him up from Drance at some point. Um, I know you don't spend all your time looking at spreadsheets, but what do his numbers look like both on the PK and against the rush? Okay, I have no idea about the numbers. Okay. He's very good at defending the rush. Like, yes. I can't give you the numbers specifically, mm-hmm. but that's backed up by eye test and the numbers yeah. as well. Show you that that is a real strength mm-hmm. of his game. And he's got the reach and, you he's know, I mobile. Think he's, he's, he's a good skater. Yeah. Um, I, I think he can skate backwards and everything. It's very impressive. I think there's something like he's not going to win it because he's missed too much time. But, like, if you're talking about unsung heroes, guys who don't get a lot of attention when they're in the lineup, but are really important to the team winning. I think he's an absolutely major part of that. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be very happy to get him back because he does do a lot of those things, in particular against the Rush, uh, as you were saying. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Big Friday show tomorrow. Looking forward to that uh, final show of the week. Enjoy the Canucks game tonight. We'll be back tomorrow here on Sportsnet 650. We got a pants problem.